Today, we are going to be talking about the two most important secrets that you need to know to be an influencer. Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast dialoguing with creatives and entrepreneurs to better understand who we are, the work that we do, and how we will shape and own the future. The format of today's episode, it might be a little bit different than the past 13 episodes. And in today's episode, it's, a, it's another solo one. And I will be sharing a story, a story that's quite personal. In fact, uh, I don't know if anyone knows the story. I shared this story um, with my wife in the process of making this podcast. And she, <laughs> it was kind of funny. She was like, wait. Is this a true? Is this true? Did this actually happen? I'm like, yeah, this is it's true. She's like, you never told me that before. So, um, yeah, I guess I've never shared this story before, and I am excited and honored to be able to share it with you today on the podcast. So, as I said, it might be a little different today, the the beginning part at least, but it's still it's still going to cover the three overarching topics that we cover here on Own the Future. We're going to be talking about who we are, our social conditioning, what makes us us, what shapes us, the work that we do as social influencers, not just our clock in, clock out, nine to five, you know, the things we post on Instagram or retweet, et cetera, but the real work, the emotional labor that we do, the 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 labor that's impacting the world around us, even strangers who we will never remember. And then finally, how we will own the future or are we going to make it? Which owning our future brings us right back to who we are. For as we think we are and as we are, we act. It is those actions, those small actions that we take every day that ultimately shapes the world around us. And it is those same actions that are going to shape the world that are great great grandchildren live in because and here's a spoiler alert for the entire episode here's a punchline to everything that this episode is going to unfold it's this you are a influencer you could turn the episode off and you'll get the end of the story right there you are an influencer even if you don't have a single social media account you are a social influencer. It was the summer of 1994. I was eight, living in Chicago. My older sister and I were lucky, quote unquote lucky, that year. We got to go to a week-long summer camp. I can remember it even still with this fearful anticipation. I had never been really good at sleepovers and being away from my parents you know, growing up, I'd always end up on the phone at the end of the night crying and wanting to go home. Oddly enough, now studies are showing that abuse regularly happens during sleepovers, but that's probably an episode for another time. But I can remember the long bus ride to the summer camp and the lake somewhere in the middle of nowhere. I can remember thinking, that I wanted to be different. I wanted to be strong, cool. I wanted to make friends. I wanted to have a great time. I wanted to fit in. 
I can remember the bus pulling up to the campground and making sure that my respectable side part was looking good. I got off the bus and I, you know, went through registration and I found my cabin and I can still remember walking into the cabin. There were these few old, really rusted bunk beds. I think they were painted white, but the the paint was chipping off and there was already a couple guys in the room and I remember they're like, you have to take that bunk. They weren't, they weren't really the nicest guys. Well, as it turned out, I was the youngest in my cabin. All the other guys were a couple years older than I were, was and was eight. They were probably 11 and 12 and they were definitely many, many degrees cooler than I was. See, I grew up as a homeschool nerd, uh, at least for my first couple years um, until fourth grade. And I wouldn't trade that for anything, but I was probably more sheltered than your average kid running around the, the American public school system. But public school or no public school, summer camp is hard, or at least I think so. Unless you're getting blessed with like a really good cabin with great guys in the cabin and you're able to make friends with those guys. If you don't land a great cabin and great cabin mates, you're going to be friendless for the rest of camp. You're going to be stuck wandering around as a loner with nothing to do pretending to have fun because that's what you're supposed to do at camp, right? Yep, that was me. Loner rolling around the camp hoping to bump into someone and make friends, but they all had their friends. It was called their cabin. But okay, I was still determined. I was going to overcome. I was going to have a good time. I came all the way to summer camp. I wasn't going to let my chance pass me by. And then it happened. The moment I had been waiting for, I saw my chance. Two nights in, after the the nighttime activities, the guys in my cabin came up with a brilliant plan. Let's go pick up chicks, the 12-year-old ringleader with, you know, cool spiked hair said. And uh, I was eight. I didn't have any pickup lines lined up or any sort of game dialed in. But hey, I wanted to fit in. I was determined I was going to make friends. And so I was going to try, at least try my hardest to make this work. So I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I got on my best jeans, which happened to be a dark forest green, and I put on my button-down shirt. I thought it was cool. I tucked my shirt in and made sure that my Robert Redford hair was perfectly side-parted, looking like an exceptionally nerdy 60-year-old man. I was eight. I come out of the bathroom like, okay, guys, I'm ready. Let's go. (laughs) The ringleader laughed at me. You're not going like that. You'll scare away the girls. Look at you with those green pants and your haircut. No way. I was like, oh, uh, I, I can change my pants. No way, dude. You're a loser. Let's go. And they left. I... I sat there on this concrete ledge outside of my cabin and yeah, I cried. I cried like the loser that they said that I was. Thinking back on that uh, summer camp, 
I, I can't actually remember one positive memory. Nor can I remember the name of the cool 12-year-old kid who said that I was a loser. But, but his words, they, they stuck with me. That 12-year-old cool kid was and probably is still somewhere out there in the world today, still influencing others. Whether he's grown and changed for the better or not, I don't know. But the story doesn't end here. It's actually just the beginning. If you fast forward a couple years, my dad is now working as a pilot in Papua New Guinea, and I start getting into BMX biking and racing. And It just so happens that all the guys in my little town who rode bikes were older than me. I was in fourth and fifth grade, and I began hanging out with 10th and 12th graders. I didn't do it because I was trying to be cool, but because I enjoyed biking. But as you could imagine, I had a problem. So I would get excluded from things that the high school kids were doing because I was in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And then I would be shunned by my classmates because they thought that I thought that I was too cool for them when really I just liked riding bikes. But maybe it was true. The years go by and grade school turns into middle school and my adolescent issues only magnify. And that voice of the 12-year-old from years back was still speaking in my ear. You're a loser. No one wants to be your friend. So I was stuck. I was stuck between my classmates who I didn't get along with and kids who were older than me. I think probably around this time I was in my 10th grade year and I was trying harder and harder to fit into the cool crowd. I began trying a little harder to impress the guys who were older than me by drinking and smoking. But as you can probably guess, my efforts failed. I would still get excluded, but now I was getting excluded because the guys who were older than me didn't want to get me in trouble because... I was a 10th grader and they were seniors. And in addition to that, they probably didn't want to be hanging around with me all the time as I was a couple years younger than they were. But at the end of it all, it didn't really matter much. When I moved into my 11th grade year, the last of my friends graduated from high school and all those relationships that I had spent years pouring into, they were gone and I was alone. And I could still hear that 12-year-old voice in my head. Loser. And the thing is, I believed it. I had believed it for some time, and that seed of loser turned into a tree of depression. Right, it's the, the typical teenage angst years. But the problem is the, the depression and my outward acts of adolescent cries for help resulted in it becoming evident to my parents and those around me that I needed to go back to America and get some professional help. So halfway through my 11th grade year and halfway through my sister's senior year, we left Papua New Guinea and moved to Denver, Colorado. It was finished for me, my life, the place that I called home. It was all gone. It felt like it had been totally robbed and taken all away from me. And the worst part of it was that I knew it was all my fault. 
It was my fault that I lost my friends, and it was also my fault that my sister had to lose her friends. I was buried in shame. Back in America, Denver, Colorado, I would walk the halls of public high school with 2,400 other kids who I didn't know. Now, you can probably imagine the shock that I had to go from an entire grade of 24 kids in a school of 120 kids to a class of 500 kids in a school of 2,400 kids. It's quite the leap. So I would walk through the halls of this public high school with my head hung, looking at the ground. I was defeated and I deserved it. It was around that time, I think it was the spring of 2013, I would have been 16 and almost finishing up with my 11th grade year. And my sister and I, we were driving home from school and I can, I can remember you know, even where we were driving, there's these trees driving on this little road going over this bridge. And she, uh, she turned to me and she said, Lucas, you can't walk around school with your head hung. You have nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hide. Lift up your head when you're walking down the hall. Lift up your eyes and look people in the eyes. Look them in the face because you're not a loser. In that moment, um, something happened. It wasn't a big something. It was a small something. It was a seed. A seed just as nine years before, when some 12-year-old kid was trying to be cool and planted a seed in me, my sister planted another seed in me. And I watered that seed, that word that my sister spoke. She probably didn't realize it then maybe not even remember it now. But that moment changed everything in my life. The next day as I was walking from band, yeah, I was a band geek, to AP Calculus, yep, I was a nerd as well, uh, through these long, gosh, these long cinder block halls with the this beige brown on the walls. And yeah, my head was hung again as always, looking at the ground, avoiding eye contact, just wishing to disappear. And I heard the voice of my sister. I heard it come to me, and I heard her say, you aren't a loser. Lift up your head. So I did. I I mustered up everything with inside of me, and I lifted up my head, and I lifted up my eyes, and I looked people in the eyes, and I said to myself, Lucas, you're not a loser. And even today, it's crazy. I, you know, when I'm walking through an office, a mall, an airport, a restaurant, I will catch myself dropping my eyes to the floor and avoiding eye contact, dropping my head to the floor. As if somewhere deep in my subconscious, I hear that 12-year-old kid call me a loser and laugh at my hair and my pants. But most of those days, Moments later, I'll hear my sister say to me, lift up your head, lift up your eyes. You aren't a loser. There is an ancient proverb that goes something like this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Just as a small piece of metal, a bit, 
can control an entire horse or a camel. And just like a small rudder can steer entire ships, our tongues, our words are the rudders of our lives. Our tongues can be used as weapons of destruction. It can be used to sow discord. It can be used to strengthen people and give them hope. It can be used to divert conflict. It can be used to bless, but it can also be used to curse. And it's our choice. Our words can be gracious words that are like honeycomb that are sweet and healing to someone's soul and their bones. We can speak a gentle word that's like a tree of life. Or we can curse someone and break their spirits. We can belittle our friends and make fun of them so that we can feel better. Our words are either helping, healing, and life-giving, or they're cursing, crushing, and destructive. Words, they affect us. They shape our thoughts, our worldview. And little boys and girls who have grown up in abusive and oppressive homes or in schools or having older siblings or cousins or teachers who daily use words of oppression over them, saying that they're ugly, stupid, silly, dumb, annoying, shut up, sit down, you're good for nothing. These kids, these children, they grow up with those thoughts embedded into their heads like seeds. And these word curses shape their worlds, their worldview, their beliefs, and what they believe that they are capable or not capable of doing. And guess what? You and I are these little boys and girls. Likewise, we have all had experiences where a teacher or a parent, mentor, an older brother, or like in my case, an older sister has come around us and said, hey, what you are believing about yourself right now, it just isn't true. That isn't who you are. That isn't who you have been created to be. Because you and I, you and I, we have been created for greatness. We have been created for kindness, for generosity. We've been created for creativity. We've been created for beauty and for love. But believing these words, believing truth, that's a choice. And many cultures in society believe that you weren't born with a choice or that you're stuck with the hand that you have been dealt. And that's that. End of story. But I'm here to tell you that you are not a victim. And I am not a victim either. Every day, I'm presented with a choice. What thoughts do I choose to believe? What seeds, what words will I choose to water? I could have turned to my sister that day in the car and said, well, sister, Becca, you just don't understand. You don't understand what it's like to be me. You couldn't possibly know. I could have walked down the hall the next day at school and when I'm hanging my head and I hear my sister's voice, I could have said, Mom, but people just don't understand. They don't know. When I was eight, that 12-year-old, that 12-year-old kid, he was really cool and he said something to me and he must have been right. Tomorrow, tomorrow when I'm walking to my car 
I can choose to hang my head when I'm discouraged and I can say, I guess he was right. I am. I am just a loser. Or, or, or I can take my thoughts captive and choose to believe truth. I can find evidence for that truth. I can look and think critically at the world around me instead of just taking at face value what the world or culture or some person says about me, says about who I am or who I should be, the place that I should be, or about what I believe and what I think. I can disagree with culture. I can disagree with people. I can think critically for myself. I can decide where I do and don't fit, belong or don't belong, how I should get there or should not get there. I can take those negative thoughts captive that I'm a loser. When I hang my head, I can take those thoughts captive. And instead, I can believe the word of my sister and I can lift my head up. This goes all the way back to episode eight on cognitive behavioral therapy. See, our thoughts produce feelings and those feelings produce actions. So when I choose to believe a thought like I'm a loser, That thought produces a feeling, feelings of being less than, which would cause me to naturally reach for more acceptance. As I reach for more acceptance, I realize, wow, I really am a loser trying so hard. That makes me feel like a total failure and I hang my head and hide because, well, I'm a loser after all. Oftentimes, these are not cognitive thoughts but they're in the subconscious mind. They're constructs that are continually ticking over in the back of our minds. Our thoughts shaping our feelings, which create our actions, which define our thoughts, etc. So if my inner thought life is negative and it's filled with ugly thoughts about who I am and who others are, it will produce an ugly feeling and an ugly action. And ugly words will come from my mouth. Thereby, I would become a negative influencer, just like that 12-year-old kid. Because here's the truth. It is out of our hearts, what is inside of our hearts, that our mouth speaks. What comes out of us is only a representation of what exists inside of us. Now, I know... Most people consider themselves, quote unquote, good people. And I can tell you, I was not a good person. I was walking around hanging my head in high school. And at the same time, I was mad at the world. I was mad at myself. I was filled with self-hatred. I was filled with hatred of others. I was an angry, bitter, broken person. And it came out at the world around me, and it resulted in me having an enormous amount of broken relationships where I was a total jerk. So, what is inside of us? What root system, what belief system, what thoughts are we believing on a daily basis? Just as a palm tree can't produce olives, 
in the same way you can't pull fresh water out of a well that has salt water in it. Even if water has only 5% salt content, that's just a little bit, it's considered brackish water and undrinkable. So if us, our hearts, if our hearts are polluted with 5% of ugly, dirty, nasty crap, the stuff that is coming out of our mouths, it's brackish and it's not helping people. Because we can't pull out of ourselves words of blessing and uplifting if we are broken on the inside. And I was broken on the inside. And in time, I was transformed. My thoughts renewed. My framework was reset. It took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of years. It took a lot of of events and things happening in my life, interventions that happened in my life for me to get to that point. It didn't happen overnight. And I haven't, I don't think I've arrived by any means, but I have embarked. So my question to you, you want to be a social media influencer? You want to be an influencer? Well, my good news or maybe bad, you are. You are an influencer. Every day, your words are influencing and impacting people. They're impacting the strangers around you. You're impacting the shagalas and the, the haras. You're, you're impacting every person that you come in contact with for good or for evil, for better or for worse. The question is, are you a positive or a negative influence on the world and influence on your future? Are you speaking words to people that are tearing them down so that you can feel better? Or is every word you speak seasoned with grace, truth, and love? That is all that we have for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening to the very end of this podcast. If you know someone who is struggling with depression or suicide or negative thoughts, please forward this podcast onto them. Encourage someone today with this. Remember, if you can own your story, you can own the future.